It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hey, I'm Jason Chaffetz. I'm filling in for Brian Kilmeade today. Uh, There is a lot going on in the world. And, um, you know, just when you think things can't get crazier and crazier, guess what? There's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. And it starts with Governor Cuomo today. Uh, That is going to be the talk of the town today, tomorrow, um, until he actually is out of office. Because I think the writing is on the wall. Uh, There is no getting out of this one Dear Governor, um, I got to tell you, I, I watched the comments yesterday from the governor, the prearranged video with the creepiness of the kissing scenes and the whole bit. And uh, it was pretty creepy. You know, he started off by saying he had held his tongue for so long. Listen to this. And I said at the beginning, I would let the process unfold. I didn't want anyone to say that I interfered. I said I would hold my tongue and I have making only limited comments. It has been a hard and a painful period for me and my family, especially as others feed ugly stories to the press. Held your tongue, Governor? You didn't hold your tongue. The whole thing, the whole 160-plus pages of this report is about the fact that you didn't hold your tongue, that you were using your tongue, and inappropriately. You were not, not only were you actually out there verbalizing some things that you really shouldn't have been saying, but you're actually touching some people in a very inappropriate way. 11 credible victims, including a trooper. Um, and to suggest that he never touched or made inappropriate comments, uh, your tongue is proving that uh, after 175, I think, uh, interviews, that just isn't true. Well, we want to get some perspective from the great senator from the state of Tennessee, Marsha Blackburn. Uh, I have served with Marsha Blackburn in the uh, House of Representatives. She now proudly represents the great state of Tennessee in the United States Senator in, in the United States Senate. Senator, thank you so much for joining us today on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Absolutely, I'm delighted to join you. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you. Uh, You obviously heard the news. I'm sure you saw the clips. Um, What's your take? You know, it is largely a man's world there in Washington, D.C. You're very much in the minority as a a female legislator. Um, What's your perspective on the way and what and the content of what Governor Cuomo said? Yeah. And, you know, Jason, I've said and you've heard me say many times conservative women are even more of a minority and we're kind of at the at the bottom of the pecking order if you will from everything that i have read and have seen and have heard i think that governor cuomo should step aside he should listen to his democratic colleagues and he should resign what uh, what do you think the state assembly should be doing there? Because, you know, I was shocked that he wasn't charged. I mean, here you have the attorney general lay out the case, a credible case, but then not charge anybody. That, to me, was shocking. I mean, I, I can't believe that 
I give her credit for taking it as the attorney general that far and writing such a, a report, particularly when it's your own party. But now the state assembly, I mean, they haven't done anything yet. And uh, I, I, I think that um, most likely they are reviewing and deciding what they're going to do if they're going to move forward with articles of impeachment. And um, we will see what they do. In my opinion, the best thing that Cuomo could do is to resign, to step aside. And he should, he should willingly do that after this report that came out. And it's not just one or two. It is a large number of individuals. And because of that, I think that he should willingly step aside. Yeah, I think it that the narcissism is is at the forefront here. I think that video is absolutely disgusting. Um and it's all about me me me. If he was going to do truly what is best for the good people in New York, he would step aside rather than forcing the hand of the state assembly to go through the impeachment process. Right. But I think and, that's where you were handed. Right. And we have to realize also there is still the review of what transpired with his book and the yeah. book deal, and there is still the controversy around the 15,000-plus lives that were lost during COVID. And I know that there are families that are very anxious. They're still grieving this loss, as we would expect them to still be grieving this loss, probably for the rest of their lives. Yes. And there are questions that surround that also. Yes, later this hour, we're going to have uh, Janice Dean, who's been right at the forefront of this, uh, talk to us about that because you're right, the COVID deaths, the, what went on in the nursing homes, didn't go on in the nursing homes, uh, is just atrocious. And um, anyway, uh, Senator, while we have you on the line, I want, I want to get your take on a couple other quick things. Uh, so the infrastructure bill, this is something that actually will affect every single American. It's a massive bill. Uh, questionable pay-fors. What's your take on where we're at with that massive multi-trillion dollar bill? Yeah, and what we have to realize is that you have Republicans that have worked with the Democrats. What they've done is to give the Democrats uh, what I would call or give Pelosi, Schumer, Biden a governing majority as they move forward on this. And it should be obvious by now that what's playing out is that in the Senate has nothing to do with infrastructure per se. There's $110 billion in this $1.2 trillion bill that actually goes for roads, rivers, runways, railways, and broadband. And everything to do with the new majority doing as much as they can, as quickly as they can. They know that the clock is ticking on their hold on power. And I think it would be hard to find a single provision in that 2,700 pages of a bill that they have given us about two or three days to, to read that isn't political on some level. There is language in this bill, in this infrastructure bill, that would make sexual orientation and sexual identity protected classes. And um, 
I did introduce an amendment to remove this language, but it just goes to show you how far they're willing to take this infrastructure bill. And like I said, roads, bridges, traditional infrastructure, $110 billion. There is $65 billion that would go to broadband, but we're concerned about some of these um, provisions on broadband. I think also you have to look at the fact that Schumer eliminated any possibility of what we would call good faith negotiations when he made it clear that he was not really interested in a true open amendment process. And uh, the, the amendments, we've had just a very few amendments that were approved to go to the floor. Um, they are spaced out, you know, they're negotiating these, uh, so we're not doing them in rapid succession. We do one. Right, right. You know, a couple so, hours later, we do amend another yeah. one. But we've been working around the clock, getting these amendments ready, getting them in the queue, and doing our best to protect the American people. Well, and I think it was uh, political malpractice for the, not you, but for some of the Republicans to join the Democrats in invoking cloture and getting past that 60-vote threshold and doing so when there was zero text. I, I got to go on because I've only got you for about another minute here. Um, but uh, you, uh, Senator Blackburn, as well as Senator Cotton, uh, some others are calling on the president to deny entry to Iranian, uh, the Iranian president and senior officials. Tell us what you're doing with that there. I've only got a minute. Yes, uh, we have a letter that we've written to President Biden saying President Raisi from Iran should not be admitted to the U.S. He is known as the butcher of Tehran. We know that he killed 5,000 prisoners. There are other people that he has had injured or uh, that have faced difficulty because of him. His human rights abuses are known. For him to come to the United States would be taken and seen by both our allies and our adversaries as a tacit approval of this repressive regime, and we think that keeping him out is the way to go. Well, Senator, there's a lot going on in Washington, D.C. Uh, you're one of the hardest-working members of the United States Senate, and uh, appreciate you taking a, carving out a few minutes to join us on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye, Jason. Thank you. All right, stay with us. You'll be back with more in the Brian Kilmeade Show. Listen and pick up on some things you didn't know before. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. 
many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. The New York Times published a front page picture of me touching a woman's face at a wedding and then kissing her on the cheek. That is not front page news. I've been making the same gesture in public all my life. I actually learned it from my mother and from my father. It is meant to convey warmth, nothing more. That, of course, was uh, New York Governor Creepy Cuomo uh, yesterday. Uh, Welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Brian. We're joined now with uh, Fox News senior meteorologist uh, Janice Dean. Janice, uh, did that make you feel more comfortable, more warmth? And was that just a clear understanding that the attorney general was wrong and he was just he's just a nice guy. He's been kissing people all his life. Oh, my gosh. It's straight out of his own playbook. I mean, I've been covering him now since May, which is when I started to speak out about my husband's parents who died in separate elder care facilities. Uh, They got covid in there. And I've been very outspoken about the fact that. Our governor had a March 25th order to put COVID-positive patients into nursing homes for 46 days. And he has blamed everybody and everything except the guy that, you know, signed the mandate. So to see him yesterday again, sort of, woe is me, playing the victim. Uh, I, you know, because I am showing you a slideshow of all these people that I've kissed that does not, you know, that doesn't do anything actually. That doesn't, that you're you're still guilty, uh, according to the attorney general. So all that did was make me realize that this guy is a psychopath. Yeah, you know, I, I, I liken it into this. It's um, if you were an employer and you had employees that you cared about, you loved about, that you uh, admired enough that you hired them, would you allow somebody after a 160-plus page report Basically saying that, yes, these 11 victims, they're credible, they're real, and he actually did do it. Would you allow him to continue in that role so that he can continue to feed on this, these, these, these women and, and verbally and physically abuse them? Mm-hmm. Would you allow that to continue? He's a predator. There's no way about, you know, there's no if, ands, or buts. And, it, you know... This kind of behavior is not about sex. It's about power. So it it fits right into his M.O. He is a power-hungry leader that wants to make people feel like they are little and small, and he wants to demean them, and he wants to own the room, and he wants to you know be on that throne at all times uh, like a king, a kingmaker. Um, and so, you know, 
it's quite incredible that there is the downfall that's happening right now. And I, I credit those women, those brave women that told their stories, especially yeah. the young ones. I mean, listen, I've gone through harassment in my career several times. And when I was in my 20s, I had no idea what to do or how to manage it. So for those brave young women to go into a room with strangers and tell them their deepest, darkest secrets that they wouldn't tell their boyfriends or husbands to bring this monster down, I applaud them. Yeah, it's a shame they have to go through this. They should have never that this. They're young in their career. Even the people that are older, they they're they're in the midst of their career. They don't need this attention and notoriety. They're not asking for this. But I do applaud them for stepping forward. It does make me wonder, you know, how many of them out there succumb to the pressure and actually reluctantly or you know ended up saying yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is a creep, and the state assembly really does need to. I think, step up and do the right thing. I don't think there's any choice. Let's listen to this Democratic state senator from New York, James Scofis, I think is how you pronounce his name, and his take on what's ultimately going to happen. Look, there there are two things that uh, I'm going to say here. Number one, it's over. You know, there's no gray area. There's no maybe. There's no scenario in which the governor survives this. It is over. The second thing I'll say is that I don't believe it's going to come down to an impeachment vote. I don't think we're going to get that far. Once the governor sees that impeachment is going to happen, it is set to happen, the votes are there, uh, he will step down. What's your take on that? He's a very powerful senator, James Scoofus. I've actually gone on Twitter to kind of call him out a few times because he could have uh, had articles of impeachment early on, uh, and he could have said that he wanted an independent bipartisan investigation into the nursing homes, which is what I started out, um, you know, raising awareness for. So he's kind of been somebody that's very powerful and and could have done something earlier. And I've been very weary of him. But the fact that he went on television today and basically said, there's no way but out for this guy is quite incredible. You know, the fact that he said that the governor, you know, woke up this morning and realized he didn't have any allies and that he's going to realize that he probably should step down before there's there's an impeachment. That kind of if I'm reading the tea leaves, Jason, I'm thinking to myself, are they trying to strike a deal with him and say, hey, listen, if you resign, we'll drop some of these charges. And I don't want that to happen. Yeah. I mean, why shouldn't he be prosecuted to the full extent of the law? And it's not just on this sexual harassment. There are other issues like the one you've been so very much involved in. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Yeah, and you know, listen, I walk a fine line because I'm so grateful to these women. And I've always said he he was probably going to be charged or at least, you know, his downfall was going to be the sexual harassment stuff because he owns that. You know, he can't blame anybody else even though he tried to. He owns his hands uh, and he owns his words. And, you know, he's saying that to a female coworker or subordinate. So I always thought, and it's easier for them to digest the Democrats, right? It's easier for them to get him on the Me Too stuff than the really dirty, corrupt, implicating stuff of over 15,000 dead grandparents, you know? 
But I don't want people to lose sight of that. There are still investigations into that and other things, other disgusting things that this governor has done. Well, I, I thank you for being a, a vocal voice on this. And I know it's it, there's a lot of personal t- personal parts of this for you. Janice Dean, the Fox News senior meteorologist, appreciate you joining us today on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Really do appreciate it. Uh, I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Brian. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Stay with us. There's a lot more to come on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Other folks that had the most uh, access to the most sensitive information, folks like Secretary of State Pompeo, National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien, all of us that had access to that intelligence have have long believed that the most likely um, uh, outcome of, of where this virus came from, from an origin standpoint, was the Wuhan Institute of Virology, based on intelligence that we have. Uh, The question was, how much of that could we publicly disclose? And in in January, one of the reasons that um, I worked with Secretary Pompeo to put out the fact sheet that we did, disclosing many of the factors that you just outlined about um, circumstances at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, was we wanted to put as much information as we could out there without jeopardizing our sources and methods into uh, our eyes and ears, if you will, into the Chinese Communist Party. That was uh, the director of national intelligence, John Radcliffe, former congressman uh, that I got to serve with uh, there. Uh, welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm Jason Chaffetz, uh, filling in for Brian. Uh, the call-in line, we're going to try to take some uh, calls after our next uh, interview and commercial break. But if you want to call in, it's 866-408-7669. 866-408-7669. Seven six six nine. We're going to try to take some calls, uh, but we're joined now by the ranking member of the committee. I actually used to chair the House Oversight and Reform Committee. Uh, we're joined by uh, James Comer, the congressman from Kentucky's first congressional district. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on, Jason. Well, hey, I appreciate it. You know, I I say frequently, there's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere, and that always gives plenty of material to the Oversight Committee. Um, But it's also frustrating being in the minority as opposed to having the gavel. So the big question is, um, you know, obviously the coronavirus uh, is affecting all of us. So how many hearings are you, have you been working on or have there at the oversight committee working on this, uh, the origins of the, uh, the coronavirus. The Democrats have not had a single hearing on the origination of, of COVID-19. They have not had a single hearing on anything pertaining to China or holding China accountable for anything related to COVID-19 or currency manipulation or human rights abuses or anything. It's just like, China is uh, on the do not touch list with the Democrats, and it's very disappointing because the Republicans on the committee, uh, we've spent a lot of time uh, probing uh, every angle uh, related to the Wuhan lab leak. Uh, We're working with several committees, foreign affairs. We're working with, uh, obviously, Judiciary Committee. Uh, We communicate with leadership. 
we certainly are, are taking everything we hear from uh, Radcliffe and all the other uh, people in the Trump administration that were uh, looking into this. And it's just very frustrating because the Democrats don't want to touch it. You know, that it just seems to me if you, people were looking for something that could be bipartisan, why would that be a partisan? Uh, I, I mean, we're trying to find the origins, but the Democrats seem to, to prioritize a political narrative that is anti-Trump, um, anti-Republican, as opposed to let's go figure out where this thing started. Now, it is not a good excuse for them to say, well, the administration is doing that. I mean, if Congress sat around and, and waited for the administration to do all of its investigations, why do you have a, you know, a separate branch of government? That's exactly right. I don't think anybody has confidence that Joe Biden's going to aggressively do anything, especially with respect to China. But with respect to being bipartisan, I mean, you're exactly right. Why shouldn't this be bipartisan? No Republican that I know of in Congress has blamed the Democrats for COVID-19. We're blaming China for COVID-19. We haven't said the Democrats are withholding information. We've said that about Fauci. But with respect to having a bipartisan crew oversight investigative hearing, this would be the perfect issue. But it just blows my mind that the Democrats don't want to touch it. I mean, they're still obsessed with investigating Donald Trump. But, uh, you know, I don't know if it's because they think it's politically incorrect and uh, Trump always said the the Wuhan virus and they always attack Trump for being racist and, and uh, you know, politically incorrect. I don't know what it is, but I know this, that every American, every Kentuckian in my district, Democrat, Republican, they want to know where this virus came from. And if it came from the Wuhan lab, they want to hold China accountable. Yeah, I think it does tie into to uh, what Rand Paul, your senator there from the good state of Kentucky, uh, is on to, which is this idea that, oh, maybe the funding actually did come and was authorized by Dr. Fauci. My, my own personal take is, Dr. Fauci, it's time for him to go. I don't think anybody has confidence in him. He has flipped and flopped and changed directions so many times. But I worry that at this point he's trying to po- protect himself politically as opposed to reading the science and then coming up with recommendations based on that science. I think it's protect the fort. Don't let anybody actually see how the funding actually did flow. And that is an important question. That is an important question. As you know, Jason, uh, uh, we've been able to uh, get our hands on the emails between Fauci and and Dr. Anderson, a, a scientist who received substantial Uh, amounts of funding from Dr. Fauci, American tax dollars. And Dr. Anderson, early on, uh, when he first looked at the uh, sequence, the gene sequence of of COVID-19, he sent an email to to Fauci saying that uh, he was 70% sure it was genetically engineered. And then we know that Fauci and Dr. Anderson spoke on the phone. Obviously, we don't know what they talked about. And then three days later, Anderson sending emails out to people saying that, oh, this is a conspiracy theory that it was uh, man-made. This came from animal to human. So we have a lot of questions for Dr. Anderson. We have questions for Dr. Fauci. Uh, They haven't produced uh, any willingness to cooperate with with our questions and answer our questions. But we have used for the first time this new seven member rule uh, that I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with, that Elijah Cummings, uh, when they were in the minority and Trump was president, they filed a lawsuit saying the minority should be able to get 
information from the administration if it's in the opposite party and if seven members on the committee sign uh, uh, a request. So we've used that to get Dr. Fauci's unredacted emails. And right now, uh, obviously, the administration is not cooperating with us. I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked. Um, <laughs> I said that with a big <laughs> smile because, unfortunately, those are the gyrations that you have to go through in order to extract something uh, from an administration. But I, I do hope you keep on that. I, uh, uh, Congressman, I want to go to the next, uh, another topic, uh, and that is just this flow of people that are coming across the southern border. You know, I find it fascinating that the Secretary of Homeland Security says to the Cubans, nobody, but nobody can come across. We will send you back so fast. The Cuban Americans tend to vote for Republicans. Maybe that's just a coincidence. But the people on the southern border, hey, just keep coming, just keep coming. Let's listen to Joe Biden answer this question from uh, Peter Ducey of Fox News, and then I want to get your take on it. 18, please. What is the thinking behind letting untested and unvaccinated migrants cross the southern border into U.S. cities in record numbers? There is what we're doing. We have not withdrawn the order that is sometimes critical or criticized, saying that unvaccinated people should be go back across the border. But unaccompanied children is a different story because there's that's the most humane thing to do is to test them and to treat them and not send them back alone. But I'm afraid, Congressman Comer, that that's not actually what's happening on the border. And um, boy, I'm sure glad that Kamala Harris is on top of this because, boy, it gives everybody a degree of confidence, doesn't it? it what an example of a complete failure. The Biden border policy is a disaster. Uh, the House Republicans on the Oversight Committee, we traveled down to the border. Yvette Harrell represents southern New Mexico. She hosted us down there. It's a disaster. They're coming across, I think everybody knows, uh, at night uh, with with drugs, uh, human smuggling, just bringing COVID-19 and who knows what else across that border. And from a taxpayer standpoint, Jason, one of the things we're looking into on the Oversight Committee, there, there's so many children coming across the border now. And as you heard Biden say, they're, they're, once they cross that border, they're over here forever. And you have that 72-hour rule where you can only detain those kids for 72 hours. They are doing no-bid contracts left and right to contractors and developers who are buying old strip malls, old hotels, everything they can do, and converting them to uh, temporary shelters. They're busting those kids into these towns in the middle of the night. And the residents don't realize uh, their town is now a sanctuary city, and the American taxpayers are paying hundreds of millions of dollars on no-bid contracts to house these minors. And we don't know how many. We don't know how much they've spent. Uh, we don't know if there's any end in sight. And it's just uh, another tragedy of the Biden border policy. Well, and then you bring them into these communities. Uh, they're not properly tested and protected from COVID. So if you're really concerned about covid you'd actually work to shut down the border but as i've always i for a long time i have always railed against this because it was true in the obama biden uh white house too but certainly with the biden harris white house these people come into the country they have no paperwork they're and so what are they supposed to do for food shelter getting a job i mean you just 
but this isn't one or two people. This is hundreds of thousands of people being sent out across the homeland and not the coordination and the interaction with the local communities and certainly not the governors. That's right. And it's there are more every day. Uh, there will be more tomorrow than there were today and, and more the next day. And yeah. there's no wind in sight. And are they going to put these kids in the public schools? They can't, you know, most of them can't speak English. That's going to require special attention. That's going to take away from uh, working middle class parents, children's education, because the teacher is going to have to pull away from from their child to try to help this illegal child to get caught up in how to hold a pencil and how to uh, read and write. And it's just not fair to the American taxpayers. And obviously, as you alluded to earlier, I think it's 100% political. I think that uh, this is the Democrats' business model to try to get more Democrat voters in this midterm to bail them out because of inflation, because of rising crime, because of uh, all right. the uh, board, the Biden border policies that are that are becoming disastrous for the American people. Very uh, last question. We just have a, a moment here, but what, what's your take on what New York and others are trying to do in terms of a vaccine passport? I, I, I don't like it. I, you know, I've from the very first encouraged people to get vaccinated. I've been vaccinated, but you know, talk to your doctor and make that decision. Americans uh, enjoy freedom, and I think that uh, it's it's our freedom and our, our personal right to to be vaccinated or, or choose to not be vaccinated. And I just don't like mandates or passports or, or anything like that. I think that's a, another step across the line to infringe upon our freedoms. And uh, if they achieve that, then they're going to take another step and, and try to infringe on our freedoms in, a, in another way, shape, or form. Yeah, as Americans, we have the right to self-determination, and it's nobody else's business what I do or don't do. I think the idea that, uh, you know, work with your doctor, make an informed decision, and you have to live with that decision. But as an adult, uh, you get to make that decision. So Congressman James Comer, uh, Kentucky's first congressional district, ranking member of the House Oversight Committee, also on Education and Labor Committee, Congressman, somebody I got to serve with in Congress, uh, always good to talk to you. And thanks for joining us on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks for having me on, Jason. All right, stay with us. The number you want to dial into, because we're going to take calls after the commercial break, 866-408-7669. 408-7669. We'll be back with more of the Brian Kilmeade Show right after this. Newsmakers and newsbreakers, hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Governor Cuomo sexually harassed current and former state employees in violation of both federal and state laws. The Independence investigation found that Governor Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women, many of whom were young women, by engaging in unwanted groping, kisses, hugging, and by making inappropriate comments. Governor Cuomo's administration fostered a toxic workplace that enabled harassment and created a hostile work environment. Doesn't get more aggressive than that. That's the uh, New York Attorney General. I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Brian on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The number here, 
7669. But I want to get your thoughts and comments. Make them brief. We'll try to get through as many of these as we can. But let's start with Joe in Long Island. What's your thought? Hey, good morning and honest. Uh, listen, this is nothing shocking here with these charges. We've been battling Como for years in New York. I've called this guy a demonic gargoyle, serial social, sociopath. He's a sexual predator. He did, his name's synonymous with Weinstein, Epstein, Bill Clinton, Elliot Spitzer, Joe Biden, all the Democratic cabal all hang out in the Hamptons together. The Clinton's power is waning. And where is Hillary? Where is Bill Clinton? I haven't heard anything. This is all about the Democrats, uh, the progressives getting Letitia James is what's going on. And they should confiscate the money from this guy's book. I call it failed leadership. Put it in escrow and pay these victims. Who, Jason, who in front of their daughter eating dinner with other staffers telling young reporter to, oh, eat the whole sausage? Ha ha. That's disgusting. He claimed he wanted to mentor the young intern. You ask, do you have sex with older men? I'd have a relationship with someone in their 20s. This man is a monster, and he's gotten away with this. He needs to resign today. New York deserves better, and that's why I'm back in Lee Zeldin for governor to restore dignity in our state because New Yorkers have had enough. Talk to his ex-wife, the Kennedy girl. Talk to his ex-girlfriend, Sarah Lee. You want to know about a man? Talk to, talk to the ex. They'll tell you about yeah. these, uh, this guy. Hey, Joe, thank you so much. I really do appreciate your your perspective because uh, it's shocking to me that the attorney general, and I I give her uh, credit for going and doing this report, but to say that that uh, violated state law, but not going to prosecute them, uh, that's just stunning to me. All right, let's get the take uh, from Phil down in Florida. Phil, what's on your mind? Hey, Jason, how are you, sir? Great. Uh, first, let me say thank you for your service. I'm a 26-year Navy veteran. My son was 30 years. My family's been in the military since the oh, thank Revolutionary you. War. And thank we you. came from poor, poor Irish background. And to see these overindulged Democrats being protected by their party, I have to, I have to say, though, I'll give I'll – give uh, props to the attorney general. I didn't particularly care for her for some of the things that she was doing against Trump and other uh, Republicans. But uh, Cuomo, it, it runs in the family. It, you look at, at Mario and then Chris Cuomo, the Cuomo name, it, it just, it's tainted. It's absolutely tainted. I would be totally embarrassed if I was him. And I really feel sorry for the young women. Yeah. Listen, uh, Phil, I do appreciate that. I think if Governor Cuomo were to do the right thing for the good people in the York, he'd step away. This fiasco is going to continue on. I think he politically is a dead man walking. Do what's right for New York. Do what's right for the country. Step away. He's going to be dealing with this for years. And I hope those victims are okay. They shouldn't have to go through this. We'll be right back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. 
Well, almost, Brian Kilmeade. I'm Jason Chaffetz, actually filling in for Brian. Uh, This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. There's a lot to talk about because, as I like to say, there's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. And, uh, boy, the top of the list uh, this morning, still on the list and probably will be for a little while, is Governor Cuomo. Um, Really do appreciate you uh, uh, joining us. We've got a lot going on. And later on in the hour, we have Lee Zeldin, who's the Republican candidate a Republican candidate for governor there in New York. It'll be fascinating to get his his take on things. Um, but let's listen to clip two here before we bring in our first guest. Uh, let's listen to the New York Attorney General. I know this is a civil investigation, but were you making any referrals to prosecutors so that he could face either state or federal charges? Uh, our work is concluded, um, and the document is now public. Um, and the matter is civil in nature um, and is not um, does not have any criminal consequences. All right, so let's bring in a law professor from George Washington University and a Fox News contributor, Jonathan Turley. Um, you're one of the clearest voices on, on so many uh, matters of law. Uh, Jonathan Turley, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You know, I was fascinated that the attorney general laid out a, what appears to me to be a very thorough report, having having done uh, interviews of more than 170 people, issuing a, a report, more than 160 pages. Um, but I was struck and confused as to why there would be no criminal charges. What's your take on that? Yeah, that was something that really stood out in the press conference. The attorney general seemed eager to declare her role as ended and that this remains only a civil matter. What the report describes uh, would constitute assault. But there's also questions about this effort to retaliate against individuals. Usually those types of conspiracies involve false statements and other things that can be charged. All of that was sort of brushed aside by uh, the attorney general. Uh, And she was a bit too eager to sort of leave the stage uh, without addressing those questions. You know, there is a complaint uh, that has been filed uh, in Albany that is criminal in in, uh, nature. But for the most part, this remains a civil issue and a political issue. But the the definition or the standard for assault, uh, I think some people would think of assault and say, oh, you got to tackle somebody. You're smacking them across the face. But the standard for assault, based on her findings that she called herself credible, uh, this certainly meets that standard, doesn't it? Well, it certainly can meet the definition of the crime. I tend to look at these things from the perspective of criminal defense attorney, which is my uh, base of practice. Um, Quite frankly, I think that what was described could be a challenging case for prosecutors uh, because Cuomo can argue that these were passing uh, types of uh, touchings, but a couple of them go beyond that. I mean, the You know, these are very serious incidents where he's having asking women to sit on his lap where a a trooper says that he repeatedly touched her. And that was witnessed by another trooper. So, yes, it does meet the definition of assault. Whether it could be proven in court is another question because we really haven't seen much of the other side. 
Yeah, it just struck me that he didn't get charged. The report itself, and I want to read a quote from it, it says, quote, he admitted that he may have kissed certain staff members on the lips, end quote. I'm trying to think of a scenario where that was just, you know, part of what his mom taught him to do. Well, that's what was, I think, quite interesting about his response. You know, he pretty much committed himself to a a defense for any later trial. It's going to be hard to make this cat walk backwards. I mean, he said that he was doing this because he's Italian, he's older. Uh, He even said that his uh, inappropriate statements that are alleged in the report to people like Bennon was really an effort on his part to be therapeutic and to help her through her angst as the victim of a prior sexual harassment uh, situation. All of that can be played back, uh, particularly if it's used to to impeach or rebut his testimony. Now, that could be very damaging because the jury's not going to buy this, I'm old and I'm just a little gropey type of defense. I mean, that's that doesn't go over well. But what's really not going to go over well is the argument that he was trying to be therapeutic with someone like Bennett. Because then the opposing counsel can, can juxtapose the testimony that he groped women asked them to sit on his lap, uh, asked them about their sexual preferences. These are pretty non-therapeutic moments. Uh, yeah. <laughs> non-therapeutic moments. I, I, well said, Professor. Um, I, where, where, so if the state's not going to prosecute them, um, and it looks like some of the local jurisdictions say they might be taking something up, um, do the feds have a responsibility? Is this a federal issue at this point? Well, there's a very strong case for sexual harassment. And what I thought was particularly important was that James noted that of the 11 women, at least one is a current staff member. That's key because the statute of limitations can be used to protect Cuomo in later litigation. Some of these incidents occurred over three years ago. However, if you have someone who is a current staff member alleging a hostile work environment, you can bring in those earlier cases as part of your case. Mm -hmm. So it can essentially involve a type of bootstrapping of earlier cases that might not have been uh, able to be brought individually. So he's looking at potentially years of litigation. That $4 million he received from Crown Books is likely to be eaten up uh, as he faces this rather daunting litigation challenge. Now, he has some other problems. I mean, the uh, nursing home investigation is also looming out there. There's some people that you know, theorizing, and I don't want to get too much into a conspiracy theory that, you know, hey, this is kind of a distraction, if you will, from the bigger, more, you know, this probe of putting uh, COVID-infected patients into nursing homes. Um, What other vulnerabilities do you see out there for the governor? Well, people need to distinguish on the nursing home issue between Crimes like falsifying information or lying to federal investigators 
and any crime associated with the decision itself. Government officials are granted a great amount of immunity for what are called discretionary decisions. So you can be a moron in government and still be immune if we allow you to be a moron. I mean, if we give you the choice to make decisions and you're an idiot, it's our you know, mistake. We're the idiots because we gave you that authority. But you don't have authority to lie uh, to federal investigators, submit false information. So that's where the vulnerability is there. He's also under investigation for this sweetheart deal he got from Crown Books. They gave him a ridiculous windfall of over $4 million on a book that barely sold. And from the outset, a lot of people felt that was a very suspicious deal. But then Cuomo was accused of using staff members and government resources for the book. And that is currently under investigation by James's office. Yeah, that seems like a, a, a fairly easy thing to investigate, to find and see if the universe of employees there would spend time working on this on this book. So that'll be interesting. Um, we're on the phone here with or we've got uh, on the line uh, Jonathan Turley, the law professor, George Washington University, Fox News contributor. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about what's going on in New York City um and let's listen to cut 14 mayor de blasio what new york city is going to be doing with vaccine passports the key to nyc pass will be a first in the nation approach it will require vaccination for workers and customers in indoor dining in indoor fitness facilities indoor entertainment facilities this is going to be a requirement the only way to patronize these establishments Indoors will be, if you're vaccinated, at least one dose. The same for folks in terms of work. They'll need at least one dose. Is this legal? Can you do this? Well, that's a good question because we don't have a lot of the details on this New York pass. At at the outset, the advantage is with New York because these types of restrictions are subject to the lowest standard of review of rational basis under the Constitution. And courts grant a great deal of deference to local and state governments on public health. However, the devil's in the details. I mean, for example, if you extend this to religious gatherings, you could have a very serious constitutional challenge. But also, even just with restaurants and, uh, and, and other establishments like it, what about people that have natural antibodies? Uh, you know, people who have already recovered from COVID. We've seen some lawsuits already on that issue. A, a George Mason law professor is suing his university because he had COVID, he has antibodies, and his doctors told him not to get the vaccine. Uh, those are working their way through the system. So is New York going to accommodate those people? Is it going to have exceptions for medical Uh, exemptions under the CDC? Is it going to have exceptions for religious beliefs? And also, how is it going to be shown? Are you just going to use the CDC card, which is rather laughable because it it can be duplicated on a Xerox machine? Well, I I just find it ironic that the same people that argue against a voter identification, you know, show an ID to go in and so that you can vote are very much in favor of you're going to have to show documentation to eat 
I mean, and to go to a job, you, you got to be kidding me. I mean, I, it, it just seems silly to me. I mean, what about the person who's young? So they're not as susceptible to the heart, you know, the ultimate uh, price you might pay for getting a virus who's pregnant and doesn't want it. There's been, there's no study about what's going on uh, with somebody who's pregnant and gets this vaccination. So why take the the risk of that life just so that they can eat a sub, you know, a sandwich inside of a store. Yeah. And I think that goes to what is really behind a lot of these restrictions for a number of weeks, we've seen a change in rhetoric. We've and I wrote a column about this recently that at the beginning, the Biden administration relied on reasoned consent that they said that once they have the vaccine, people are going to want it. Well, that failed. A lot of people didn't want it. So then they went to a type of compensated or induced consent. They offered lottery tickets in Ohio, now $100 from President Biden for taking the the shot. A lot of people still didn't do it. So they've moved to what I've called coerced consent. Uh, consent. And in that, you, people have been very open. You had a, C, a CNN medical analyst saying, we have to make life as difficult as possible to be unvaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. Others have said, we got to make life a living hell. And de Blasio sort of indicated that. He said, New York has a lot of wonders, but you won't be able to do any of them unless you get vaccinated. That's part of this coerced consent model of vaccination. Uh, I just think it's the wrong direction. Professor, we've only got just a moment left, but I've got to do a personal appeal. I'm, I'm reaching back years here, like five years. This is a House Judiciary Committee hearing. A Congressman Gowdy, is, I think, is asking you a question. Let's listen to this clip, and I, I want to plead my case here. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Professor Turley, um, when I see Chairman Chaffetz in his periwinkle trial suit, it gets me thinking a little bit towards what if it actually went to trial, what would the mechanics of that trial be? So I'm going to ask you a series of questions in hopes that you'll give me more of a deposition answer than a law professor answer <laughs> so I can get through all of the questions. What, what's the burden of proof? By, by what standard of proof does the House have to prove the allegations? Uh, first of all, I like the suit. And second... Um... The suit is an impeachable offense. <laughs> That was a darn good suit, and I'm glad to have you on my side. So I appreciate the ruling. I've just never had a chance to tell you publicly. Well, I'm glad to stand with you and your colorful outfit. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, Professor <laughs> Jonathan Turley joining us today on the Brian Kilmeade Show. We'll be back with more right after this. Stay with us. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Is President Obama setting the wrong example about how serious COVID-19 is by hosting a big birthday party with hundreds of people this week? I would note first that former President Obama has been a huge advocate of individuals getting vaccinated. Uh, when CDC provided, has provided, what CDC has provided guidance on is for indoor settings in high or substantial high zones of COVID cases. This event, according to all the public reporting, is outdoors 
and in a moderate zone. But is there any concern, just because, as you've said here, and you've had people saying over the last couple of days, vaccinated people can still spread this Delta variant uh, around. So is there concern that this President Obama birthday party might become a super spreader event? Well, I think, Peter, the guidance is about what steps people can take uh, when they're in public settings. Indoor settings specifically was the new guidance to keep themselves and others safe. That is uh, White House spokesperson uh, Jen Psaki. I'm Jason Chaffetz, uh, filling in for Brian Kilmeade here. Uh, I'd like to give you kind of my take on, on this. I, I'm happy birthday to President Obama. Um, I hope he's healthy and enjoying life. Um, and I think it's great that he's having this party. I, I think that what overrides everything here is this idea of self-determination. Uh, you get to determine whether or not you have a vaccine. Now, I've had a vaccine. My wife's had a vaccine. It may not be for everybody. It's quite frankly, nobody else's business. I think it's the business of you and your interaction with your doctor. So whether you're having an event indoor, outdoor, uh, if you had the vaccine, you've done what you can to help protect yourself. If you feel uncomfortable or vulnerable, then don't go to an event. I'm sure with President Obama having a birthday bash, he's going to have hundreds and hundreds of people there. Uh, but I don't think, uh, I don't really care. And you know what? I don't think it's that big a deal. I don't think, uh, I'm glad he's doing it. He's, uh, you know, he's out there saying, oh, well, you know, we're trying to be cautious, so we're going to scale it back. I, Why not just stand tall and say, hey, this is the right answer and show and lead by example. But uh, this whole idea of self-determination and the idea with Dr. Fauci's doing masks and then two masks and masks for little kids and three-year-olds on airplanes and all that ridiculous stuff. Uh, why don't we try something new? When there's new science and studies, put them out there for the public to consume and then allow the CDC to come up with a recommendation after everybody's been able to review the science. Don't be giving me the new guidance and then try to come up with science behind it. That's what's happening far too much, and it is wrong. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Brian. Stay with us because we've got more coming up this hour right after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. I want you to know directly from me that I never touched anyone inappropriately or made inappropriate sexual advances. I am 63 years old. I've lived my entire adult life in public view. That is just not who I am. And that's not who I have ever been. Well, Governor, you got about 165 pages from the New York Attorney General saying, yeah, you are that sexual predator and uh, you may deny it, but you got 11 credible witnesses, more than 170 interviews. Uh, you've got witnesses and and people that the governor calls or that the uh, Attorney General calls as credible saying that, yeah, you've been doing things inappropriately um, for a long time there. And so... We want to bring in, uh, I'm so thrilled to be able to get him here. 
uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin. Lee Zeldin is a congressman from New York. He's also a Republican gubernatorial candidate for governor there in New York. Um, he serves on the House Financial Services Committee, House Foreign Affairs Committee, and somebody I was honored to serve with in the United States Congress. Congressman Zeldin, thanks for joining us today on the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's great to be with you, Jason. So um, we booked you to come on the show, and my guess is you already kind of knew what we were going to talk about. So um, what, what's your take going on with with this fiasco, and why is the Governor Cuomo doing this to the people of the good people of New York? Because he can't sustain this. This is this is it's all about him at this point. Yeah, crazy that after that report comes out that this pre-produced video uh, where the governor is comparing his actions in that report to uh, President Bush and President Obama hugging hurricane victims. And the, and the governor has the nerve not only to say I'm not resigning, but saying that he's going to continue to attack the accusers and, and continue to attack the investigators, um, there's no choice here but for the Assembly Democrats to move forward with impeachment on him. And if they don't, they're going to get accused when they're running for reelection of a cover-up. This governor had a really bad day yesterday, but this is just starting to scratch the surface of this governor's misconduct. And we can't forget in all of this the deadly nursing home order and cover-up. We can't forget the preferential COVID testing that he was giving to his family at private residence done by state health department officials and then moving the samples to the front of the line or the $5.1 million self-congratulatory book deal where there's an investigation going on for using his taxpayer-funded staff to help write it. Uh, So this governor has shown through all of that, through what we're talking about here yesterday, that he's not someone who's going to show remorse He is not going to appropriately apologize. He's not going to accept any responsibility or accountability. So at the end of the day, it may end up resulting in November 8, 2022, voters in New York going to the ballot box to give him the boot. Well, the governor says this is all politics and bias. Let's listen to cut six. Politics and bias are interwoven throughout every aspect of this situation. One would be naive to think otherwise. And New Yorkers are not naive. So he's saying that they're not naive, but he doesn't have a case here. No, and, you know, for him to think that he gets some type of get-out-of-jail-free card, he has some type of bizarre immunity because he's in politics, that that there's just no way that anyone can pursue any accountability against him because of his position. Wow. Yeah, you know, that, that is actually New Yorkers not being naive. That part he's right on, and that's why today – There was a new Marist poll that came out that said 59% of New Yorkers feel like he needs to resign. And if he doesn't resign, that he should be impeached Uh, because New Yorkers are not naive. And because the average person doesn't believe that there should be unequal scales of justice or that this governor should have a get-out-of-jail-free card or some type of bizarre immunity because he's in the position that he's in. 
Yeah, I, I think that was one of the most bizarre pre-planned videos that I'd, I'd ever seen. The, it, it, the way he just started it. Um, let's play the clip where he talks about how he's been holding his tongue. And I said at the beginning, I would let the process unfold. I didn't want anyone to say that I interfered. I said I would hold my tongue, and I have, making only limited comments. It has been a hard and a painful period for me and my family, especially as others feed ugly stories to the press. I mean, when when he made those comments right out of the gates there, and he said he was holding his tongue, I thought, no, Governor, you weren't holding your tongue. That you got a 165-page report says you were not holding your tongue, and you were using your hands inappropriately as well. Yeah, and as far as the attacks against the investigators, it, this isn't some anonymously reported you know news story about how. There were some attacks on investigators. His team was doing it publicly. I mean, there was a back and forth here over the last week or two where Cuomo's team publicly was going after the attorney general, which led to the head Democrat of the Judiciary Committee leading the impeachment push, going after Cuomo for attacking the attorney general. This all played out in public. I mean, there were seats. Are, are out there on, on their own Twitter feeds. So this idea that he was holding his tongue by, by you having your, you know, your puppets, your mouthpieces launch attacks for you, you think that you're just going to sit there uh, you know, on your high horse with some type of a clean slate, some uh, you know, moral compass owned. And, and again, you know, you know, the, the, the biggest you know, irony or miscalculation uh, can be found in that comment from your last question about uh, you know, the New Yorkers being naive as you played that clip. And that's the problem is that this governor feels like everybody out there is just too stupid to understand what is what and that he is there to define it however he wants to define it. And he could just rewrite reality and facts on a whim and everybody will follow him and you know and this is also one of the consequences of getting away with it for so long and there are people who are in the media who you know they've waited and you know in some cases maybe it was because of fear and harassment intimidation that's a whole other issue where he's done it to even the media inside of albany and elsewhere Um, but you can't empower this behavior because yeah, you fast forward to 2021 uh, and what we're seeing play out right in front of our eyes. And this governor just thinks that everyone's going to hold his water, that he's going to be able to change facts and reality. And at the end of the day, he's going to survive and he's going to get elected to a fourth term. And we better stay on offense here or I mean, that could end up happening. How crazy is that sound? Well, you know, he's kind of taken this uh, position. I want to listen to this clip where he talks about it's a disservice to the real victims out there. He's kind of taken that O.J. Simpson approach that says, you know, I'm going to work hard to go find the real killers out there. Let's listen to his uh, his comments about how it's, you know, we got to get after the real victims. And that is what really matters. And for those who are using this moment to score political points or seek publicity or personal gain, 
I say they actually discredit the legitimate sexual harassment victims that the law was designed to protect. No victims here, Lee Zeldin. I mean, look, you're the Republican candidate for governor. I, I When I heard that, I thought, yeah, he's going after Lee Zeldin, who Lee Zeldin didn't write this report. Lee Zeldin didn't ask for this. Um, but that's who I think the governor's talking to in part. And in, in doing so, he was attacking the accusers, that that his victims are not real victims. I mean, you have other people who are weighing in, talking about the courage of certain women who step forward to say what they encountered at the hands of the the governor of the state of New York. And what you saw from many on on our side of the aisle from Republicans, from conservatives, was that there should be due process and that there should be an investigation and that there should be accountability. I mean, we already know a lot of the facts on the other misconduct, the deadly nursing home order and cover up. We already know enough to say that the governor should have resigned for that alone. We already knew uh, you know, a lot about you know, that there was this $5.1 million self-congratulatory book deal, which was wrong and corrupt. Uh, in this case, we had accusations made. Everybody acknowledged that they were serious. And people were saying that you know, there's going, there should be an investigation. It should not be covered up and that there should be a report done, which is what we ended up reading yesterday. But in that attack that you just played in that last cut, I mean, he's not hurting my feelings. I mean, he, he is saying that his victims are not real victims. And, yeah. and that's a, a level of actual real pain that gets caused. Well, and that's just the degree of narcissism that is probably embedded within these sexual uh, predators that this, this is not a, you know, I got caught up in the moment. This is something that's happened time and time again. One of the more egregious um, examples, I thought, is this, what happened to the state trooper. Uh, you have a female state trooper, uh, evidently, under his new rules, Governor Cuomo's rules, granted some sort of waiver so that he could get her on the personal detail. But here you have witnesses, um, inappropriate comments, inappropriate touching, um, and I, I just feel terrible for her. Yeah, that is, that is a great point. And so much of this report, you're talking about different relationships of positions of authority, yeah, a young female staffer who's coming to work for the governor of the state of New York. The trooper story is one that a lot of people have been talking about uh, for how wrong it is on, on many different levels. The environment there, the lines that are crossed, uh, the erosion of respect and, and relationships uh, and authority. A lot of people were learning something new. Uh, about that aspect because it wasn't spoken about much before yesterday. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people are talking about that. And a lot of people are also talking about there not being a criminal referral by the attorney general or you know, action by the attorney general office themselves. Uh, but at the very least, there's no criminal referral. The attorney general said multiple times, uh, went out of her way to say that she wasn't going to do anything on the criminal side. This is it. Case is closed. That, you know, we're done here. I mean, she was her own words, not mine. 
that she was saying that that their work was done, book was closed. Um, I, I mean, the last time that that I had checked, it was a Class A misdemeanor carried up to a one-year uh, penalty in jail and having to be listed on the sex offender registry for forcible touching. The attorney general said that there were violations of state and federal law. Why is there no push for criminal accountability against this governor? Why is the book just closed? You want other victims to speak up, whether it's somebody else who's a state trooper or somebody else who is a young staffer. Uh, They need to know that there's going to be a process run all the way through the finish line and not stopping short of it for whatever type of motivations. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, if you say that you have 11 credible witnesses, you've interviewed 170 plus people, you issue a 165 page report uh, saying that these people, you know, that there was a misconduct, uh, I don't know how you don't take that to the next um, level and say, well, and so therefore we are left with no choice but to prosecute. Um, So I give the attorney general credit for doing the report when it's somebody within your own party. That is difficult to do, but you have to move forward and actually go through the point of prosecution. Uh, Congressman, I've only got a few seconds left here, but I want to get your your thoughts on this vaccine passport that they're trying to do within New York City, having to show that you're vaccinated to go to the theater, to go get food inside a restaurant. What's your take on that? I personally don't support vaccine passports, the vaccine mandates, the the mask mandates, this push towards going back to even more restrictions in certain cases than at any other point earlier on in the pandemic. Um, But with all the sacrifice that has been made over what has been almost a year and a half now, some struggling small business owner in New York City who barely survived, is barely staying alive right now, and this mayor is saying that that small business owner can't allow in a paying customer. Uh, How is this business going to be able to survive with that level of a crackdown from a mayor who doesn't seem to really care less? Uh, so you know you have the the piece of it with his, which is the restriction on individual liberty. There's the requirement of an individual showing a non-medical stranger their uh, medical paperwork, even right. though they don't want to. You have the issue with the New York State Excelsior Pass. You can't even submit your vaccine paperwork if you weren't vaccinated in New York. Uh, there's so much that's so wrong with it. Yeah. Congressman Lee Zeldin. Thank you so much for joining us. Republican candidate for governor there in New York. Thank you for joining us on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks, Jason. Radio show of the people for the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. 
Hey, I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Brian Kilmeade. Let's go to the phones. I think we have Neil in uh, Utica, Utica, New York. Uh, Neil, what's on your mind? Good morning, Jason, and it's, a, it's an honor to talk to you. Um, oh, thank you. I'm going to be quick about it. O.J. Simpson got acquitted, but uh, they went after the civil suit. I think these women should be heavily compensated. I think as soon as we can get rid of this uh, thorn in our, uh, you know what, that uh, the civil suit should proceed. Uh, there's a, yeah, I, I, I feel for these victims, you know, on the receiving end of this are these women who didn't choose to do this. They were going to serve, serve their government, uh, work in the governor's office or be a state trooper. They didn't sign up for this, this stuff. Uh, they don't want to have their names out there. I do think they should be compensated, but I think also compensation for them would be the prosecution and uh, probably now, because the state legislature is going to have to take care of this, the state assembly, I should say, in New York, they've got a duty and role and responsibility. If you were an employer and you were handed this report, you would fire this person. It's in their hands. That's the way these constitutions are set up. There is no choice. The, the, the state assembly has had time to read this. It's time for action. And if they don't do it, they are complicit in this as well. Neil, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being with us on the Brian Kilmeade Show. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, I'm actually Jason Chaffetz filling in for Brian, who's uh, taking a couple of vacation days. Uh, it's the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm honored to to host it. I appreciate and uh, Brian allowing me to to sit in his seat here for a moment. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. A lot's going on with Governor Cuomo and that huge scandal. Uh, we also have COVID. We got border problems. We got a lot of things to talk about. And we're, uh, we're also thrilled to have uh, Senator Roger Marshall. He's the uh, uh, senator from Kansas. He's on the Health and Small Business committee, Committees. He's also a doctor, a medical doctor, an OBGYN who's uh, serving there in the United States Senate. Senator, thank you so much for joining us. Jason, it's great to be on with you. And, God, we got some interesting topics today. So this should be a, a fun show for your listeners. Well, I say it too many times a day. There's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. So um, you, you wake <laughs> up every day and you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, one of the biggest concerns is what's happening on the southwest border because not only do we have human trafficking, we have drug trafficking, we have gun trafficking, we have um, this human toll that's coming across, but we also have people that are coming with COVID, and there doesn't seem to be any um, attention by the person in charge, um, Kamala Harris. And so um, you have Governor Greg Abbott, who's taking a little bit different tack. Let's listen to clip 19 about what he's trying to do to fill the void that the feds aren't doing. 
The Biden administration has open border policies that's really allowing anybody to come across the border, including people uh, with COVID-19. And the Biden administration is completely refusing to enforce the federal immigration laws. So I'm using every tool in my toolbox doing things that no other governor has ever done before in the history of the United States. One thing we're working on is to build our own border wall. Another thing that we're doing is we have a program where we are arresting and jailing people who are trespassing coming across the border in the state of Texas. The Biden administration will catch and release. Texas will arrest and jail. Senator Marshall, what's your take on what Governor Abbott's doing there in Texas? Well, you know, hats off to Governor Abbott. He's, he's uh, going above and beyond. But really, this is another crisis created by this White House. I was on the southern border, goodness, two or three months ago. At the time, the Border Patrol officers told me 10 to 25 percent of the people were testing positive for COVID. And, of course, this, they, they've all been huddled together. They put them in a bus. They put them in, a, in like a big gym together. Then they stick them all in another bus and to a hotel. It is absolutely ridiculous. I asked Dr. Fauci in a Senate hearing three months ago. I said, Dr. Fauci, you know, we got this huge problem here with COVID coming across the border. What, what are you going to do about it? And he said, it's not his job. He didn't care. He didn't know what was going on. He didn't want to know. I turned to the head of the CDC. What is your position on this? None. Uh, just crickets. Uh, and meanwhile, you're, you're up in New York, there's, there's mask ma or, uh, you know, vaccine mandates. Uh, coming down, mass mandates, vaccine mandates, but they're ignoring uh, the, you know, the naked emperor in the room, right? Coming across the border with this COVID, I, I'm just beside myself that they're ignoring this problem. Well, and you see literally hundreds of people <laughs> that they're having to corral under an overpass. Um, and then they disperse these people throughout the country. We don't know where. Uh, governors and mayors are not given a heads up that they are coming this way. We've heard uh, people talk about how, how they're doing uh, no bid contracts and people are, you know, taking over hotels and warehouses and putting these people as if, you know, they're, they're just some inanimate object. Yeah, and, and of course, this is where the variants come from, that they're going to bring a different variant. Uh, you know, that's the way these bugs work, these viruses work, is different variants from different countries. And I'm sure that our natural immunity is really, you know, what will protect us. Uh, natural immunity, your, your antibodies know every nick and contour of this virus, but the vaccines are made specifically for just that little protein spike uh, that we have out here right now. So that's, we're going to keep having breakthrough infections. Uh, unless we can, can can stop and slow down our borders and make our borders secure. You know, it really is shocking to me how they treat uh, people who flow across the border so differently than an American. And, um, and it's just wrong, and it exacerbates the, the uh, coronavirus situation. You know, one of the things, when I served back in the House of Representatives, I was honored to be the uh, chairman of the House Oversight Committee. Uh, we had uh, I've, I've spoken recently with Congressman Comer and, you know, who's now the ranking member, at least in the House of Representatives, there are zero hearings, none planned, none that have happened about the origin of COVID-19. Uh, let's listen to clip 24. This is Mark Thiessen on the plausibility of what's going on and the origins of COVID-19. 
You know, it used to be that they'd say it was a conspiracy theory, but now if you're pushing anything else, you're basically pushing a conspiracy theory. All the circumstantial evidence uh, leads to the Wuhan lab. We already knew from Josh Rogan's reporting that in 2018, uh, U.S. diplomats reported safety problems at the lab. We now know from this report that the, the, the lab itself was trying to address those safety uh, concerns. We know that lab workers from that were, were hospitalized with COVID-like symptoms uh, in, uh, in November. We know that in September 12th of 2019, the same day that they <laughs> tried to address those safety issues uh, they were uh, they, they took down the uh, the page on the website that had all the vir all the virus uh, viruses on it uh, all the co all the coding and all the information so uh, senator doctor um, <laughs> shouldn't we be looking at the origins of where this came from you know, absolutely jason and you know it's amazing that it, my last count there's 15 investigations going on for january the 6th but zero active bipartisan investigations going on for the origin of covid and i think it's, it's important that we just stop for a second and and make sure that we all know why we need to know where the origin of this virus came from uh, whether i was in the military or as a physician whenever a catastrophe occurs when a plane wrecks you know you want to know why it wrecked Right, and you learn from those mistakes. If this virus came from nature, I think that we'd be trying to set up some type of vaccine banks, just like we're we're setting up for uh, for for hand and mouth uh, disease for the for the animals. Um, if this was leaked from a lab, then we need to figure out, well, you know, why did it leak? Was there something wrong in the uh, heating and air system? And if it was, heaven forbid, which I think it was, made in made in a laboratory, we we need to stop. All funding for biogain of functioning yesterday, it needs to be stopped. So the why of it's really important. Um, and, and just to protect future gen generations and then the emotional closure I haven't mentioned yet. We need to know the origin of COVID for emotional closure. For, for all of us have lost loved ones. Uh, many of our loved ones died alone. The emotional stress level of this country, I've never seen it like it is right now. I think a lot of it brought about by the social isolation and the mask, by the way. Uh, that I think that those people that are dealing with mental health illnesses, if they knew the origin of COVID, I think it's kind of the next step of grieving and getting through that process as well. So we need to know the origin of COVID. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And shame on the Democrats who have all the levers of control and power. They have the gavels. And for them to do zero, zero investigations. And you know what? It is not good enough. Their excuse is, oh, well, the administration's doing that. Never, ever have we allowed Congress. Congress has always said we're a separate branch of government. We're going to do our own investigations. You don't just leave it up to the administration to do that. That is a total complete cop out and i think they're afraid and i think they probably know what they're going to find is that maybe some of that funding was coming from dr fauci their hero um and they need to stop worshiping him and get to the reality of what happened that's just my take all right i want to go to what you referred to which is the masks um yeah. because there's different takes on this let's go to cut 16 this is dr fauci on masks a person's individual individual decision to not wear a mask not only impacts them, because if they get infected, even though they say it's my decision, if I get infected, I'll worry about that. But the fact is, if you get infected, even if you are without symptoms, you very well may infect another person who may be vulnerable, who may get seriously ill. So in essence, you are encroaching on their individual rights because you're making them vulnerable. What's your take on that, uh, again, Senator and Doctor? 
Yeah, well, you know, first of all, you and I are against mandates in general. Uh, we're against vaccine mandates, mask mandates, that as near as I can tell, we, we still have constitutional rights. And I think we've seen our constitutional rights constantly attacked with the excuse of this pand- pandemic. Uh, number one, I'm not convinced the mask actually help in a real world. Uh, a real world for, for grade school kids, uh, where, where, where again, not one child in America has died from COVID unless they had significant underlying health conditions. So I don't see the benefits of the mask. It'd be like making people mask uh, because there's a common cold going through the, uh, through the classroom, right? Um, so the kids take the mask on, they take them off. You know, you take, them, you, you take them off to eat, for crying out loud. You go to the bathroom. I'm not sure what your third grade class was like, but when we were in third grade and the boys all went in the restroom, I just have a feeling those masks were coming off and there'd be some pushing and shoving. So just in a real world, they don't work. I think it's very evident. Dr. Fauci himself said the cloth masks don't work, that the virus is a smaller particle that's going to go right through the filter. So they're treating themselves instead. Instead, what the FDA, the federal government, should be focused on is getting complete, full approval of the vaccines that are out there. This would help address vaccine hesitancy. So there's a group of people out there that we're waiting for full approval. And again, that's your decision, decision between you and your doctor. But I think we need to be talking what would do more good is high-risk people getting a third vaccine, a booster. So this virus preferentially attacks senior citizens and people with underlying health care conditions. Those are the ones, if I sat down with them as their doctor, I would say, here's the benefits and the risk. And all the breakthroughs we're now seeing from the vaccinations, um, that those folks' antibodies are dropping. They probably need a third vaccine. And by the way, I've said this once already on the show, that natural immunity will probably be a better protector from these Delta variants out there. So I, I think that Fauci can't see the forest for the trees. I think they're missing the important things. It's time to stop jawing. The FDA needs to get full approval of the vaccines we have on the books now. Yeah, and I'm glad to hear you say what you said uh, about the kids because, ironically, put on a mask, guess what? The kids touching their face a lot more than they would have if they didn't have one. Um, And uh, anyway, it's a deep, deep concern. Uh, Senator, before you go, I've got to get your, your comment and your thoughts on what's going on with Governor Cuomo. Let's listen to clip eight here. This is uh, what Senator Chuck Schumer said about Governor Cuomo. I continue to believe the governor should resign. Yes, next. Even if he doesn't, should the legislature impeach him and then remove him from office? As I said, I continue to believe the governor should resign. Yes. What's your personal relationship going to be with him going forward? forward, And we still work and deal with him. As I said, I continue to believe that he should resign. He had but one talking point there. Uh, but, Senator, what should happen? And what should the state assembly do? If, because he's pretty defiant. He's pretty much saying there were no victims. And uh, guess what? I'm I'm going to fight this because there are no victims. Well, you know, Jason, I'm just, again, flabbergasted. He, he does need to resign. He needs to confess and and own up to his problem that he's got he obviously has some type of a problem and um, you know try to turn his life around and maybe positively impact some people but you know as well as i do if he was a republican governor he would have already been impeached up there and i you know just for fun i uh, i looked at my apple news uh app today and the first 50 articles only one of them about this i looked on the cnn website not one article about this. And that's what's frustrating to me. People ask me about the national media. Is it slanted? Do they lie? And and one of my answers is 
you know, I don't know that they're purposely lying, but they're not telling the whole truth or the whole story. And, and that's what frustrates me, as I said up here, just that when 95 percent of the national media is working against conservative thought and not telling the whole story, it, it's pretty frustrating. Yeah, the hypocrisy is stunning. I think myself, uh, I know Congressman uh, Gowdy, who served with me in Congress, would say the same thing. Is is one of the biggest disappointments in our time in Congress is just the lack of intellectual curiosity and consistency by the traditional media outlets. It really is stunning. Uh, thanks for, thank you for your service. Thanks for what you've done within the medical community. Uh, and thanks for serving uh, the good people of Kansas and joining us today on the Brian Kilmeade Show. We appreciate it. Yeah, Jason, always good to talk to you, and we'll look forward to next time. All right, Senator and Dr. Roger Marshall, uh, the Republican senator from the good state of Kansas. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Stay with us. There's a lot more ahead. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Governor Cuomo sexually harassed current and former state employees in violation of both federal and state laws. The Independence investigation found that Governor Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women, many of whom were young women, by engaging in unwanted groping, kisses, hugging, and by making inappropriate comments. Governor Cuomo's administration fostered a toxic workplace that enabled harassment and created a hostile work environment. Well, it doesn't get any more direct than that. And uh, that was the New York uh, Attorney General um, about Governor Cuomo. But with his narcissistic uh, approach as a sexual predator, as documented by the 165 pages from the New York Attorney General, having interviewed more than 170 people, I'm shocked in a few things. One, that the governor is still there today. He has a duty and an obligation if he wants to put the good people of New York first to step away, but he's not going to do that. And so the onus goes upon the state assembly. And if they don't act, they should have already acted. The New York State Assembly, under the Constitution, they are the ones that have the authority. If you were in a, if you were an employer and you had the attorney general hand you this big long report documenting that 11 women had credible uh, sexual harassment claims, inappropriate touching, inappropriate actions, inappropriate comments, you can either allow this to continue to fester because remember one of the victims still works for the good state of New York, or you can can or you can actually solve the problem and dismiss it. And the issue is bigger and broader than just Governor Cuomo. See, the duty and obligation here is to the people of New York. And it's also to the employees of the state of New York. When the Attorney General talks about what a toxic environment it is, guess what? That isn't going away as long as Governor Cuomo is there. And if he's allowed to stay in this position, if he's allowed to continue to feed on these, uh, on this steady diet, if you will, of uh to feed his appetite um what does that say what does that say to the victims what does that say to the people who want to work what are the what does that say to the public about how they're utilizing your taxpayer dollars 
So the state assembly has no choice, and they would be feckless at, at the very least. Um, but it is a total dereliction of duty to not already put wheels in motion to go through the process of the removal of the governor. He is a sexual predator. It's also, I think, the New York uh, State uh, Attorney General should have actually prosecuted somebody as opposed to pass it off and uh, think that Albany County or somebody else is going to do it or there's going to be some civil suit. They did a good job collecting the information. Now they actually have to prosecute somebody. You've got a trooper. You've got victims. You've got other people that need to be addressed. Thanks for joining us here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. There's more coming up. Stay with us right after this break. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Well, almost with Brian Kilmeade, almost with Brian Kilmeade. I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Brian. He's taking a vacation day. Well-deserved. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. And uh, there's a lot to talk about. Lots going on in the world. And uh, we're thrilled to have Ari Fleischer, the former press secretary for President George W. Bush. You've seen him on as a Fox News contributor. Um, I actually just recorded a podcast. So I have a podcast. It's called Jason in the House. Jason in the House podcast. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, go find, type in Jason in the House. And uh, this week's guest was actually Ari Fleischer. So we're glad to have you on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Also glad you're on the Jason in the House podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us, Ari. You, you've got a house, and now you're renting one. So it's good That's, to be with you in both places. Yeah, they, they actually charge me to um, be the <laughs> guest host for this show. So you bring up a good point. It is rent, and I should have probably asked how much I have to pay in order to kind of rent this seat away from Brian. But um, thanks, for, thanks for joining us. Look, uh, you're a New Yorker, and uh, your governor uh, is causing quite a stir <laughs> because of this little report that uh, that came out. Um I, this video that the governor played, I mean, I, maybe they thought it was supposed to be something that was viewed as live, but they'd obviously been working on this video. Have you ever seen anything quite like that? No, this, everything about this has been highly unusual, hasn't it? And, and, and this is what happens when you have a small defensive circle who thinks that their word is superior to everybody else's, including your accusers. This is the hubris. Jason, that comes with being a politician too long sometimes. And that's what I think Cuomo has made himself susceptible to. So he brings out this bizarre video and he's, he's showing all of these. Um, you, you can, there's some poor staffer working in the governor's office that has to put this thing together. And you could just see somebody giving the directive, look, go find a bunch of pictures of the governor kissing other people so that we can just show this is common. This is not the actual, you know, there's nothing wrong with this. And then they've got to go out and spend taxpayer resources to go do that. Yeah. And forget that spending the taxpayer resources for a second. I mean, the man is entitled to a defense, but the only issue that matters here is what's the difference between his multiple kissing and hugging with people that is very innocent and, and fine versus sexually harassing 11 women. You know, there's a line that you cross. I've been around politicians who are huggy types. They drape their arm around you. They might give you a, a peck on the cheek. 
That is a very different issue from private behavior in the governor's mansion one-on-one with a woman who works for him upstairs. And you have to separate the two. So he's mounting a defense that has nothing to do with the charges against him. Well, and I thought particularly the trooper, you know, waiver or something else granted so that she, as a young trooper, can join the protective detail. Witnesses, you know, I can't foresee any circumstance in which a touching her back, touching her stomach, making the comments that he did were would be appropriate. And so yeah. it also leads me to, all right, to look at this and say, the attorney general made the case, but now she says she's not going to prosecute it. That that That's, I think, what drives people as crazy as anything, that if it were anybody else and they had all this information, they would prosecute it. Yeah, I, I don't know that it matters about prosecution. This is a political matter for now. The immediate issue is, should Governor Cuomo remain in office, or has he committed so many immoral acts that he's lost the faith of the people of New York? And overwhelmingly, the answer is yes. Now, the problem you're going to have, though, is when it comes to making a governor resign or a politician resign, there's only two ways to do it. They do it or they get impeached. And I think it's crystal clear that Governor Cuomo is going nowhere. He yeah. will not resign. He's going to muscle his way through this because that's who turned the governor Northam in Virginia, where he was accused uh, of um, racial misbehavior. And he just muscled his way through it. He said, I will never resign. I won't resign. And one day the press will stop hounding me because I'm a Democrat. And he got away with it in Virginia. I think Cuomo's counting on the same thing happening in New York. Yeah, I don't think they think that it's strong enough. But let's listen to the clip. This is uh, today on Fox News. This is the Democratic State Senator James Skoufis and his his analysis of where they're at. Um, look, there, there are two things that uh, I'm going to say here. Number one, it's over. You know, there's no gray area. There's no maybe. There's no scenario in which the governor survives this. It is over. The second thing I'll say is that I don't believe it's going to come down to an impeachment vote. I don't think we're going to get that far. Once the governor sees that impeachment is going to happen, it is set to happen, the votes are there, uh, he will step down. How do you read it? Do you think that's really going to happen? I wish I had that much faith in the New York State Assembly and Senate. Uh, I'm not sure that's right. You know, the New York State Assembly announced that it was going to begin impeachment proceedings against Governor Cuomo when all this news broke. And they basically have done nothing since that day. So now we'll see if they actually are spurred into action. Nancy Pelosi can impeach somebody in a day, on a day's notice. Takes the state of New York months, if not longer, to even get around to beginning the effort to impeach. So as a New Yorker and somebody who's watched the Assembly and the Senate for a long time, I have no faith that they're going to do their jobs that they'll actually step up and take on Cuomo, and will they have the votes? You know, so I think he, if, if ultimately they have the votes and it's provable to Cuomo, then, yeah, I think it's obvious he'll resign. You resign before you get impeached the last minute. But I just can't see New York State doing that. I, I hope I'm wrong, but Albany is not exactly known for its ethics. Well, it's interesting that the word track that uh, that uh, Senator Schumer is using and that uh, the White House is using, they've all kind of gotten on the, the script real quick. Let's listen to clip seven. And then this is uh, President Biden 
uh, being questioned and then his answer. Um, but then let's listen right back to back clip eight questions going to Senator Schumer of New York. Back in March, you said that if the investigation confirmed the allegations against Governor Cuomo, then he should resign. So will you now call on him to resign, given the investigator said the 11 women were credible? I stand by that statement. Are you now calling on him to resign? Yes. And if he doesn't resign, do you believe he should be impeached and removed from office? Let's take one thing at a time here. I think he should resign. I continue to believe the governor should resign. Yes, next. Even if he doesn't, should the legislature impeach him and then remove him from office? As I said, I continue to believe the governor should resign. Yes. What's your personal relationship going to be with him going forward? forward and we still work and deal with him. As I said, I continue to believe that he should resign. So you've been a press secretary. What What's the hesitancy <laughs> to say, why are the, the Democrats from the top on down refusing to say that he should be impeached? Because that's the game. They know that when they call on Governor Cuomo to resign, he's not going to do it. He's already made that clear. Governor Cuomo said when the issue first broke that these are not his constituents. These are just politicians. And he wasn't elected for the fellow politicians. He was elected for the people. So he's already made clear it doesn't matter how much pressure he gets, whether it's from fellow New Yorker Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, or from President of the United States Joe Biden. None of that matters to Governor Cuomo. The only thing that matters is will the state assembly and the state Senate have the wisdom and the muscle to proceed? And that's the escape hatch for Joe Biden. That's the escape hatch for Chuck Schumer to say, I call on him to resign. Aren't I a good politician? I'm virtuous. I'm protecting women. But I'm not pushing for action where it matters most, which is impeachment. Yeah, that's the that, escape hatch. I hope they that, don't take it. Well, that is the political death penalty. And um, But I, I don't know how, after reading uh, all these scenarios, how you don't immediately do that. Because if it was a place of business... And somebody handed you this report, the attorney general, nonetheless, you have a duty and obligation to protect the people that are still there. And that's where they're putting their politics above the good needs of the people that are still there and that work for the good people in New York. And why should they have to put up with this? Why why should they ever have to deal with this? All right. I think we both go ahead. Jason, I don't rule out that the outsiders are going to call on the New York state legislature to impeach. They might get to that point. But still, the only thing that matters is, will New York's assembly do it and the Senate do it? That's the only thing that matters. Outside pressure can help them get there, but it's up to them. And that's where I'm dubious. Yeah, uh, that's a concern. All right. There's other things happening in the news. One thing that affects all Americans really here is and is dividing America is this call for masks and how should we deal with masks? You know, it strikes me that. They should release the science and then say, give us 48 hours or 72 hours while we review this. Then we're going to come up with our policy. But often what they do are is they, they announce the policy. Then they scramble to go find some science. A lot of it is actually not there. And then they wonder why the public has vaccine hesitancy. Let's listen to Jen Psaki on uh, clip 13 about what's going on with masks. Florida is not the only state. Um, seven states have both a statewide ban on mask mandates and a prohibition on school districts 
from requiring masks in schools. Uh, and some states have even banned businesses and universities from requiring workers and students to be vaccinated. In fact, the most extreme of these measures is in Texas, uh, where uh, you can be fined. A professor or teacher can be fined if they ask a student if they are vaccinated or if they ask uh, unvaccinated students uh, to wear masks. Uh, and I think the fundamental question we have is, uh, what are we doing here? Yeah, so what is the answer to that? What are we doing here? Well, first, what they're doing there in the Biden White House is what the media loves to do is just blaming Republicans. I mean, this is so thinly veiled when they say Texas did this, Florida did that. That's not how this is working. There are mass populations of Americans from inner cities, African-American community, Hispanic community, which have been vaccinated way less than other communities, particularly compared to whites and Asians. And, and when they just say it's a problem in Texas, it's a problem in Florida, they're trying to say it's Republican governors, it's DeSantis and it's Abbott who was at fault. They've got to stop that. Partisanship for COVID is never going to work. But the fundamental issue when it comes to masking is if you're vaccinated, the CDC has now said you could still carry the virus and have a heavy load of it, and therefore you should mask. Well, the word could is the problem. They don't know. But they're going to make us all put masks back on because it could be that scenario. Well, Jason, I could get hit by a car when I leave my office today. It's much more likely I'm going to get hit by a car or even hit by lightning than it is that I'm going to die of COVID. So the word could is not the right word that scientists and the CDC should use. Now, if it was you will, you definitely have the load, a viral load, even if you're vaccinated. That's one thing. But they should not make America remask on the basis of the word could. It's not solid enough. The vaccines are a totally different issue. I strongly support all efforts to get as many Americans as possible to be vaccinated. This is a public health matter. You are taking risks with your health, with other people's health if you're not vaccinated. And I think everybody should get vaccinated. So I separate the mask issue from the vaccine issue, uh, and the vaccines have been highly effective. Well, but, you know, your mayor there in New York City is saying that if you want to participate in society, you're going to have to have a mask. Let's listen to clip 15. We'll be issuing a mayoral executive order and a health commissioner's order. Those are the legal tools necessary to implement this approach. And we know that this is what's going to turn the tide. And we also know that people are going to get a really clear message. If you want to participate in our society fully, you got to get vaccinated. you got to get vaccinated. It's time. All the answers, all the information is out there. You've seen over 160 million Americans get vaccinated safely. You've seen it make the difference. The only reason we're having the recovery is vaccination. What's your take on that? Well, I hate to agree with anything Mayor de Blasio said, but again, making the distinction between masks and vaccines, he's right about being vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, why would you go out into a public place? Why would you try to mix with the crowds and do other things? You're not fully protecting yourself. And in so doing, you're creating risks for yourself and others. You're actually playing Russian roulette with your life if you're not vaccinated. You know, if you're vaccinated, the chances of being sick or being hospitalized or certainly dying are incredibly, incredibly small. So I don't mind municipalities and businesses taking strong action to encourage people to get vaccinated. But I will draw that line about forcing people to wear masks again. 
for people who are vaccinated, forcing us to wear masks, is just government running in circles for the sake of acting like they're doing something. And all they're doing is burdening those of us who have done the right thing and gotten vaccinated. Yeah, and I think the passports are wrong. I think that's between you and your doctor. I don't trust the federal government. I don't trust the state government. I think the fraud on that will be rampant. And I just believe in, personally, I believe in self-determination. you got to make those choices. Uh, the evidence for me and my wife and our consultation with our doctor, yeah, take the vaccination. But there are some legitimate reasons why people don't do it. And I don't want to be the judge. I don't want government to be the judge. You've got to work with your doctor. So... Um, but thus the debate continues to rage. Uh, pleased and honored to have Ari Fleischer again. I got a Jason in the House podcast. Just go to Jason in the House anywhere you do podcasts, and I think you'll find a fascinating interview with Ari and what how he got to where he got to and his journey along the way. It was really great. Thanks again for joining us today. Also on the Brian Kilmeade Show. You got it. Great, great to be with you again, Jason. Thank you. Thanks, Ari. All right, stay with us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. And I have learned from this. Now, the state already has an advanced sexual harassment training program for all employees, including me. But I want New York State government to be a model of office behavior. And I have brought in an expert to design a new sexual harassment policy and procedures and to train the whole team, myself included. I accept responsibility and we are making changes. Wow. You want to accept responsibility, Governor? Then step down, step aside, resign or get impeached. And, Governor, if you think that your staff needs to be trained, that is just a sure sign that you as a sexual predator are going to continue on this path. You did not get 170-plus interviews with a 165-page report with 11 credible witnesses with strong allegations and a documentation that you inappropriately touched and said things to uh, staff that we're totally, completely out of line. I applaud the Attorney General in New York for doing this report, but she did fall short by not prosecuting. There are people that are still working in that toxic environment. It was an indictment, not only, not a technical indictment, but I'm just telling you in writing of what's going on with Governor Cuomo, but also within that entire office, that toxic work environment. Nobody should have to put up with that. Nobody should have to put up with that. And when it happens, it needs to get prosecuted. If you want to build trust in this in this uh, country, then the wheels of justice not have to just say, look, there was a problem. They have to prosecute it. People should have handcuffs on them, and they should be going to jail. Until they do that... There will still be question marks. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks for joining us. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.